Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another rousing rendition of what we like to call here at the Bridging Podcast Cocktail Combos, where we like to have casual conversation about life and business with people who we consider success veterans. I'm uh, astonishingly uh, joined by not only my guests, but one of our co-hosts, Mr. Deshaun Wills. We'll get to him in a second, but shout out to our other co-host, Dr. Jamu Loving, PhD, CFP of Loving Consulting, LLC. But Mr. Wills, how are you doing today? It's all good, bro. What's happening? I'm uh, I'm pleased and, and 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 ecstatic that you have joined me uh, for one of these fireside chats, as we call them. Um, obviously, it's probably because uh, the, our guest is much more interesting than me, and she's also a Tuskegee alumni. Uh, so let's get straight to it. We have with us corporate leader, uh, 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 mogul within the, the corporate world. I, look, the list that'll be the whole episode. But okay, um, we've got. A uh, former certified system brand sales specialist, power system sales specialist, WebSphere sales specialist, uh, event manager for all different sectors of one of the largest companies in America, Fortune 100, Fortune 50, if you really know, um, social responsibility program manager, and currently sales development representative for a large company. We won't say the name unless she does. We welcome fellow Tuskegee alum. All around amazing person, Mr. Alicia Brandon. How do you do today? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm outstanding. That's amazing, blessed, and beautiful. Um, but we're gonna have a we're gonna have a conversation today. We're gonna we're gonna dive into um how you racked up so many titles like belts, like you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like a young Mike Tyson coming through the ranks, you just undefeated, just just getting them up, like what y'all got. Let's go. We're gonna get into that. But before we start, we always like to take a uh, take a toast, make a cheers, take a shot uh, to a wonderful conversation. Bread being dropped and uh, crumbs being picked up by those who need them. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Yes, sir. So let's start with this. The byline says passionate about D.E. and I, for those who don't know, that's diversity, inclusion, no diversity, equity and inclusion. Not die is D.E.I. Um education policy, education reform, exposing minorities and girls to STEM, that's another acronym, science, technology, engineering, and math. Some folks like to throw an A in there and call it STEAM for arts. And uh, she loves HBCUs. Obviously, she went to one of the best ones in the country, the illustrious, the, that's with two E's, T-H-E-E, Tuskegee University. Um, But Alicia, the first question I want to ask you is... What is your mindset in, in the corporate world? Because, you know, from your from your from your repertoire, uh, you 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 we, we, we come from Tuskegee. We know career fair uh, career. You know, we are we are we are we are, you know, for lack of a better word, we're bred to really get in there and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we don't we don't take less than nothing. We we we, we going in with a, with a with a plan and with focus. Um, so what, when you first got out and got, you know, with the company, first, no, rewind real quick. The company that you're currently with, you were, you started with them and then you left and you mm-hmm. came back, correct? Yep. Okay. So now that's, that's in our frame of mind, but what was your, what was your mindset, your, your, your goal when you got in, into corporate? And like I said, you work for a big company. Everybody is you know <laughs> they know who, who who this company is i'm not we're not going to say it if unless you do but everybody is affected by this company 
So what was your mindset coming into this grand corporate structure? Listen, I was determined to grind and get it because that's exactly what I learned at Tuskegee was how to grind and get it means necessary. Um, ethically, of course, right? I ain't trying to step on too many toes, but I do get it. Um, and, it, you know, it hasn't been easy, but I do feel, and I recently received this question, like, well, do you feel like your HBCU prepared you for corporate America? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and mainly because it's all about networking. A lot of times it's not even what you know, it's who you know. And an executive recently called me, and I'm going to add this to my resume too, or that all them titles, uh, was Chief Connections Officer. And if I don't know it, maybe I'm going to find somebody that knows it or know how to do it and is connected to it. Um, that's one of the key things I learned at Tuskegee is how to network. You know, we know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody that does what that person needs to get done. Um, Would you say Destry? This man just licked his pen. But go oh, ahead. yeah, look, you know, we released a video version now, so I had to give it the, the effect, you know, old school. <laughs> I wrote, I wrote that down. Chief Connections Officer, CCO. Don't all y'all go throwing that in y'all LinkedIn bios and stuff now. Don't be stealing that. Let me Don't, uh, trademark that right uh, Look, let me, know, let me know when you trademark it. Then we'll release this because uh, you know people. Right. On it. That's all right. People be people. <laughs> Scared of work. Um, so you, you, you came in very determined um, and a lot of your a lot of your positions were obviously very, uh, sales oriented, sales you know sales uh, focused. Uh, but you recently held a position before the one that you currently have, where you were uh, over social cor- uh, corporate social responsibility. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you're passionate passionate about is diversity, equity, and inclusion. So talk about how that really aligned, because for years you've been sales oriented and. And we, you know, we know, you know, Destrian is also in the corporate and DE and I just got hot. Right. <laughs> Let's be right. honest. It wasn't, nobody had no head of DEI, nope. you know, five years ago, really, you know, right. 10 years ago, it definitely wasn't a thing. Um, so it's, you know, it's one of them, you know, sexy titles that everybody got now. Now they're going to start having conferences and certifications in it. Um, but I can only imagine that you, you were very deliberate about bringing something uh, like that to where you were. So talk a little bit about your passion and how you were able to bring your passion into this corporate space where, you know, they kind of tell you this is your job and, you know, the higher you can go is in that, in that, that silo. It's like, are you good at sales? The highest you can go is head of sales for everybody. How do you bring your passion in now? And in, in, in a time where it's like, okay, we're looking for it. And they can pick anybody, but let's talk a little bit about the, the uh, that, the, the bringing your passion into corporate. Absolutely. It's a great question. Um, so as you mentioned, I did start in sales, my background, my degrees in sales and marketing. And honestly, I didn't want to go into sales, but I knew going into sales was going to be the easiest way for me to get to marketing. Just being completely honest. When I was at Tuskegee, I never did an internship. I don't recommend that. Uh, because I had to grind a little harder and, you know, push my brand a little further to get the opportunity that I did at IBM. I'll say it um, because IBM was never on I, um, Tuskegee's campus either. They didn't start showing up until after I was there. I ain't going to take credit, but I'm going to take credit. <laughs> uh, we need to do better. And I'm still pushing for that as well. 
But nevertheless, so when I took the sales job, um, I knew that it was just going to be temporary. I was going in there to learn, to grind, to get it um, and figure out my way to move to marketing. And so I was in sales for a couple of years. And then you, you mentioned I left. I actually got laid off. Right. You know, mm-hmm. what is it? Last in, first out was my situation. Um, and so I got laid off right before um, President Obama took office when we were in a recession. And I left and did some work that I, I mean, it was all right, but it, you know, it was, it was a, a bag, a little bag, but I had to do what I had to do to pay my bills. And so I worked for a real estate investment firm and then got called back to IBM and said, Hey, we want you to come work on the software side of the business. And I knew that's where the money was, baby. And that's really where my career took off. Um, you know, I, I fired on all cylinders and just really made it work for myself. I ended up getting a promotion that moved me to the field and moved me to Philadelphia and then once I was in Philadelphia, I mean, I had sold everything. My territory was literally dried up. You know, when you hitting 200% quarter after quarter, you know, not to toot my horn, but boop, beep, beep, uh, you know, I wasn't really making any money outside of my base. I and mean, when you in sales, you there to make money, right? Ain't that right, Destry? And absolutely. so, <laughs> I was 100%. Like, Absolutely. So I was like, all right, now I think it's time for me to pivot to marketing and really get into something I'm really passionate about. I've always been a lover of like planning events and things of that nature. Let me see how I can parlay this into a corporate job. Again, bringing that passion into your professional uh, career. So literally the stars align and it's all about having a conversation. People will be scared to talk to people, but the thing I never forget, one of the most beautiful lessons and so simple that somebody taught me was People are people. We all humans. Executive, whatever you got, all these letters, alphabet, you got behind your name, down mean nothing. Can we cuss on here? Because I, I, I cuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you cuss. Um, everybody mm-hmm. put they, their pants on one leg at a time. Like, don't be afraid to talk to people. So it started with a conversation. I went to my manager and said, hey, my territory dried up. I'm not making any money. I'm not happy. And hey, by the way, I want to move back to Atlanta and move to marketing. That sounds like a lot, right? Mm. So I'm thinking it's going to be a very difficult conversation. And he looked me dead in my face and said, cool, we'll just apply. I just look I, like I, I don't want people to gloss over the fact that you as a black woman in corporate America went and, you know, expressed exactly what you what you wanted, how you felt and what you needed. Right. Um, that is and it is it's, it's great. I, I just uh, I just got on the phone with one of, one of our friends and colleagues and I told him, I was like, you're operating from, from a position of power, you know, just the space he's in right now in terms of corporate, um, you're operating from a position of power. And what you, what you just expressed is, is operating from a position of power where you have the confidence, you have the know-how, the articulation, all the things that you need to be able to go into that space and say what you need and want. Uh, so my, my next question, number one is the position where you ended up, you know, getting uh, events manager. And like I said, you, you, you were the events manager for different sectors, mm-hmm. uh, government, uh, certain areas, different, you know, different teams and softwares and initiatives. Um, were those positions there already? Or was it because you had the conversation? You know, how much did the conversation play into you getting it? Because obviously, even if the position was there, everybody can apply, but you went, a step further, maybe not even knowing if the positions were there, just like, hey, look, this, you know, some got to give. I've maxed here. I've hit a ceiling. So either it's, you know, move me up to executive or, <laughs> you know. But see, but see, bro, what you're talking about, what you're talking about right now is something that I feel like, 
you know, a lot of people struggle with in corporate, but specifically women, our women, because, you know, you're double minority, maybe triple sometimes, and you're coming into a situation where once once you start making a little bit of money, like Alicia was saying, like, okay, I got a little bag. You don't even want to mess, you don't even want to mess that up because you're like, hey, I'm doing better than most people. But then you rock the boat, man. But you plateau. And so if you don't demand it, literally almost demand it, especially when you're a high performer. So you got to have a performance to back it up. We already know she did coming from where we're from. But when you ask for it, it moves them into action. So I think your question was super dope. But I also wanted to tack on to the end of it. How do you get them to move to action? Man, you got to push. You absolutely have to push, you know, and it wasn't easy. I'm not going to say that I just woke up like, I'm going to ask my manager this. It was many of those, if you watch Insecure, those Issa Rae moments when she in the mirror and she hyping herself up. It was like, you got this. Get your bread, sis. Uh, You know, hyping myself and really... For real, I mean, hyping myself, you know, really uh, convincing myself that you you got this, you got the confidence. And literally, my manager was like, apply. And I apply for the role and the stars align. You know, I don't do any of this without faith either. I'm a strong believer in God. I do pray. Uh, he done got me through a lot. Okay. And so I was um, selling WebSphere software and the marketing team needed someone to market WebSphere software. I already knew the product. I just need to learn how to market the IBM way, right? The only marketing I knew was in the textbook. Um, And it was a huge learning curve. But my manager at the time was from Cincinnati. Shout out to my home team. Um, Who they? We just, you know, we ain't, we ain't, we ain't the Super Bowl, but we went. Um, But, you know. Some folk don't make it. Some folk don't make it. Well, she she made it. She made it to the Super Bowl. Right. I made it to the Super Bowl. But um, we were literally like homegirls, you know, and that, that was just divine intervention for me on that piece. But I still had to have the knowledge, the ability to ask for it. And so ultimately, I got that job. But that that first marketing role wasn't even an event. It was demand programs or basically a campaign manager. So doing everything from end to end marketing. And so I had a conversation again, it's always this conversation. Y'all got to speak up for yourself. You have to advocate for yourself. You're your biggest advocate. I told my manager early on, I love marketing, but what I love even better is events. And so what happened was maybe 12 months later, probably not even, my manager remembered that conversation. So when IBM um, decided they were going to break out marketing into all of these disciplines, it was like campaign manager, event manager, social lead, all of these different things. She tapped me and said, hey, I want you to be the event manager for, um, at the time it was hybrid cloud. Uh, hybrid cloud has come all the way back again. Um, but when it was trying to be big the first time, it's even bigger the second time. But um, she tapped me for that role. But she would not have if I didn't have the conversation. You have to be very intentional about what it is that you want. And I knew that's what I want, wanted. So you asked me how I moved around to the different divisions. That really just kind of happened. Um, there, there is a lot of, you know, reorganizations in corporate um, and, you know, they might need more people on their team and less people on that team. But it was a blessing for me because I learned so many different things. I work with developers. You know, I remember showing up in a suit at a developer event. And they looked at me and like I had four heads because why? Everybody else had on a T-shirt and jeans and sneakers, you know, but I learned quickly. Went to Ross and bought me a new outfit for the next day. Uh, you know, working in federal, I was shaking hands and kissing babies with five-star generals. I mean, it just was a lot of different opportunity. And in every role that I had, I was gaining more and more skills. 
Um, and so when the corporate social responsibility role came about, I was like, yo, this is perfect. It, it bridges everything that I like to do in my personal life, like volunteerism, very passionate about DE&I, uh, very passionate about you know, making sure people like me, like us, are in STEM because there aren't a lot of us and the bag is big and we need to be taking advantage of it. Um, so I'm like, this brings everything like together that I wanted to do. And that by far was my favorite role at IBM. I had some unfortunate things happen uh, that I we would probably need a whole podcast um, to talk about. Uh, so I, I had to end up coming back home is what I say, coming back home to sales. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to come back home to sales if it wasn't for my brand, for me, knowing people, talking to people, setting those intentions. I literally picked up the phone and said, hey, I'm in trouble. I got a dickhead manager just trying to fire me, which I got over there. In two weeks, I had a new role. Again, comes back to that conversation and, and knowing what it is that you want for yourself and not being afraid to ask for it, period. The worst they can say is no. Then what? figure out somebody else is going to give you the yes. But that comes back to me, you know, having that sales background, right? You you keep asking until, you know, hey, you get your Overcoming yes. objections. Yeah. That's, yeah. Your only, that's your only objective is to overcome objections. The three O's. Write that down, yeah. DJ. <laughs> your only objective is to overcome objections. Yeah. Write it down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but you, 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 you hit on a lot of key things right there. Um, the some that you kind of brought up and it, it came up again is you were laid off by IBM and then you came back. I think it's also important to know everybody don't come back from that. You know, like everybody don't get the, Hey y'all, sorry, we hit some tough times. Need y'all to go to the house. We ain't got, we can't pay you Cobra, those kind of things. All right, y'all, we back on our feet. Everybody come back. Everybody doesn't do that. Um, and I think that speaks volumes to what you what you deem your brand within the corporate world. And a lot of people think brand is like you have to have your own company. But in the realm, anywhere you are, really, like you are a brand of sorts and everybody has to engage in some sort of sales where it's like, OK, you have to you know, you have to bring value. You have to bring integrity and all of the key uh, components of character that people are looking for. Um but I want to go to when you were in your uh, corporate responsibility, corporate social corporate responsibility role is you were able to bring in some initiatives uh, and, and implement and, and create and develop uh, the IBM P-TECH, which is Pathways to Early College High School in Georgia. Um, let, talk a little bit about that and how important that was for you to be able to actually not just take what IBM wants you to do, but to say, all right, this is mine. This is my baby. How make you it make yours. it your own. Right. How you exactly. make it your own. How Absolutely. people experience you as opposed to experiencing IBM. Right. Absolutely. And that's really, I think, what got the deal done, to be honest. Right. Um, so as you mentioned, P-TECH, and it's actually one of my proudest moments of my career. I've uh, been at IBM now for 13 years. And that literally is my proudest moment. When I joined the corporate social responsibility team in 2019, it was a month after I buried my father. And, you know, I was coming back, starting a brand new role, still grieving, right, just trying to figure it out. But I was also, you know, excited, you know, because I was moving from marketing, now moving to this cool new role that was going, you know, give me the platform to really impact change and this, that, and the third. Um, but in one of the first projects I, I, I was assigned to do was go to Brooklyn, where the first P-TECH school was created 10 years ago, and learn all about P-TECH, meet the people, all of that. You know, I had opportunity to meet the students and staff, 
and I was really inspired and I was inspired for two reasons. The first reason is because, you know, my dad, the legacy that he built and the things that he instilled in me was education. And he would always say to me, if you get a good education, you can write your own ticket in this world. You can do and be whatever you want to be. And I always knew that. Um, but what I did not realize, and it's my own privilege, because Black people have privilege too, let's be honest, yep. is that that wasn't equitable for everybody that looked like me. And so when I heard, start hearing about P-TECH and being at this Planet P-TECH conference and learning everything, it was just like a fire. Like, listen, I, we got to bring this program to Georgia. Why don't we have it? Like, this is stupid. And they had tried it. It didn't work. And I really made it my personal and professional goal to bring that program to the state of Georgia, mainly to honor, honor my father, because I believe in what he said about having a good education. And I wanted to make that equitable across all students that look like me. Because a P-TECH school or program rather is targeted for underserved minorities. We know what that means, black and brown people. So I came back and I was on a rampage. I was ready. They had tried it, you know, a couple of years prior to me. It didn't work. I literally leaned on my network. I was calling Soros that I knew that was at the Department of Education. Um, you know, uh, shout out to, she's now gone on the glory, but I really appreciate her. Um, for doing what she did for me uh, in that program and just connected me to other people. Like, okay, I, I my connection stopped here, but somebody else can pick it up and, and, and move it. And I was relentless. I was literally <laughs> not taking no for an answer. Oh, you won't do it? Okay, well, let me go talk to this person and let me talk to that person. And I found a... Um, a college, a technical college that was like, no, we love this program. Uh, and I found a high school that was like, oh yes, we need to get in this program. And it was IBM because it's a three-legged school. We needed those three components to really make it happen. Um, another overlay of that was we needed government backing. The unfortunate thing about the United States is that education, public education is the first thing cut, right? And the last thing funded. So it wasn't an easy feat. So I pushed and pushed and pushed and was like, look, if we already have the three components, let's worry about the government stuff later. Uh, the, the cool thing about Georgia is we have dual enrollment. There's a lot of uh, schools that have dual enrollment where that allows students to get a high school diploma and a college degree. The only fancy thing and dope thing really about the P-TECH program, not only, but the thing that really makes it uh, a, different, a difference is the fact that we provide paid internships. I mean, we talk about these kids getting like bank for the summer, as well as, you know, mentors. So it's people like me and yourselves who will show up and mentor these kids. And then they're focused on a STEM related field. And so the P-TECH school that I was able to bring to Georgia is focused on cybersecurity. The kids going to come out of school at 19, 20 years old, making $80,000. Now, I know if you was an engineer, that's probably what you came out of school making, right? But we're talking, and but you were, you know, 21, 22. We're these kids, 19 or 20 years old. First people, a lot of time, first generation college graduates making $80,000. Do you know the community? And that's what it's all about, is making sure that we're inserting this technology for good to address societal issues. And the fact that black and brown people are not making the wages that they need to pour back into their communities, that's, that's problematic. So programs like P-TECH help to remedy that. So I'm, I'm so super proud of the program and I hope it continues to grow, you know, from one school to be like hundreds. Most definitely. I love it. 
and, and, I, I, and, I, I, and I already see right now, I can kind of tell, like, if it, if it ain't going the way that you think it should go, you'll probably just go tell somebody like, hey, <laughs> put me put me over that, you know, nationwide, right. <laughs> international um because y'all slow supposed to have a p taking Ghana right now and y'all 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 dropping the ball um so i that brings me to the point i definitely i don't want to over over gloss the point of intentionality um and also in terms of, of 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 longevity because you said that you've been with ibm now for 13 13 plus years like corporate world especially the time frame of when we came out of school, y'all, y'all, yeah. y'all a year or two ahead of me, but we don't, we, you know, we don't really stay at corporate that long. Pension plan has been out the window, so three to five, everybody get three to for five. Who? We bouncing around. Pension oh, for who? For who, AJ? Listen, listen, listen. Don't look, don't look. Quit, look, quit throwing, quit throwing your money in my face, man. Look, I ain't got no pension. I don't even know. Don't. For a 400 and 401k is all I right. know. Of, 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 of course, but so so similar to what Alicia was saying, like just quick a quick aside to that, because I think people also get set up on this aspect too. You talked about the, the varying salaries of people coming out of college and what that looks like. Like so for a lot of um a lot of ladies who might be listening to this call, you have a you have an opportunity to diversify corporate America because we need to change the face of what it looks like. You bring your English degree in and you come in and you become a corporate trainer and that's going to pay you twice as much as you would be otherwise. You know, um, you have your psychologist who can come in and be an industrial psychologist, throw the word industrial in front of it. And now you got a $150,000 job. So I think opportunistically, you know, we need to educate and help our, our ladies understand that they can take those transferable skills and come hang out right over here with us because you're already great at the things that most people are not time management, multitasking, and, and, and actually organizing and getting to an outcome. Women do that faster, quicker, better than most people ever learn how to do or can be trained to be. So it's not shocking to me when she says, I'm just going to call someone else because that's, that's the mentality because it's had to be that way for so long. So some of the things that we've gone through culturally actually show up in a positive way and yeah. we don't know it, we're still to use it. And I think that's like a, that's a trauma type thing, but uh, AJ, I'm gonna throw it back to you because what you were saying was uh was funny, but yeah, bro, when I came in, the I was the last, the last year of my company that they gave pensions to employees and they grandfathered us in. That's a blessing. Yeah. I've been blessed. You are now in the realm of our grandparents where it's like, get yourself a good pension paying job. And stay there. And stay there. Don't you move. Don't you move. Stay right there. Look. <laughs> Let me just say that that was a, a mis- I won't say it was a mistake. I will, I will say, because I'm resigning tomorrow, that I... Wait, what, huh? Hold on, pause. Uh, I stayed at my job too long. Too yes. Long. Yeah. It was, you know, that comes from our parents and our grandparents. You find that good job, right? And you stay there and you retire. Um, no, I mean, as you mentioned, millennials, you know, or whatever your generation is, I don't even know because it changes. Uh, I'm a millennial, old millennial, but 
we are not supposed to, based on society standards and looking on LinkedIn, stay at a job, as you said, longer than four years. I really think the average is like two and a half years. It right? is. It's two and a half um, to two and a half to it's, it's consistently gotten shorter because when we first got out, it was right around five. And every, you know, every six months, really, it's it's just tacking itself back and back. And like now, like you said, it's I'm looking up and I'm like, I thought like I I, I know somebody who's moved up the corporate ladder three times in the past year. And it's wow. three different companies and the position has consistently gotten higher. So it's 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 definitely a thing. But I don't want to gloss over the fact that you said you resigned tomorrow. So if you're listening to this, depending <laughs> on when this releases, I, you might not have a connection. That I, I, no, I'll I take that back because you move with intentionality and you move with, with integrity. So you always maintain, you don't burn bridges. You're not a person that that, that, that burn bridges, burns bridges, but you might not have an in-house contact at IBM by the time you hear this. Right. Um, I plug you, though. <laughs> look, that, look, that's... But I, I I definitely want to uh, applaud and 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 shine a spotlight on your persistence and your intentionality when it comes to moving around, um, because regardless of what what the outcome of tomorrow <laughs> may be or whatever the day after this podcast is recorded may be, um, yeah, we're gonna have to sign an NDA. <laughs> you've um, you 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 just threw me off. You've uh, you've moved with intentionality, and you've been able to to maneuver. But you we are, this season we've talked about uh, liquidity, longevity, and legacy. That's what it is. Um, and you've been at your company for a long time, so you obviously obviously created longevity in a society and a realm and an industry that doesn't really have it. I mean, let's be honest. IBM is one of the largest companies in the world very technology-driven and technology is ever-changing. And if you're not up on certain skills and all of the things that come along with it, you're out the door. If you've been there for a long time, you're out the door because you've been outdated by standards of current. And, you know, and then your legacy is you've create, you've brought P-Tech to Georgia, implemented initiatives in that thing. So just talk a little bit about your your longevity and your legacy that you've created to this company, whether you've been there too long or not, that's not for us to say, but you've been very intentional about it. And I want to, I just want to spend some time about that real quick. DJ princess is crying in the background. So take over for a second. But I got I, you, bro. Answer that for me, please. Okay. Oh, um, so my longevity and legacy, right. I am super proud to be able to like, leave IBM and leave a legacy. You know, the P-TECH program will, in Georgia will forever be tied to me, right? Because they go back, well, Alicia's the one that brought that, that to the state of Georgia. It's always some way gonna come back to me. And I'm really proud of that, right? Because um, for me, that's a mic drop moment. Yeah. It's something that's going to hopefully live on forever in the state of Georgia. Um, as I mentioned it, I wanted to go from one school to hundreds of schools. Um, and I'm hoping that, the people that stand behind it will continue to push. Uh, as far as my longevity, uh, as you mentioned before, like 13 years is a really, really long time. I basically grew up here. It was my first job right out of Tuskegee. I've learned a lot, the memories, the friendships, the growth, right? Cause I've been pushed to my limit a lot. 
Um, but the skills that I, I have obtained over the last 13 years are going to equip me for my next role. Um, and I'm super proud of that. I am. Um, I said that I stayed too long, but I stayed long enough. You know, it wasn't right. too long. It was long enough. That was my journey. Um, and I'm proud that it's, I am proud that it's coming to an end. I I mentioned that I had some unfortunate things happen to me with a manager um, mm-hmm. that could have literally destroyed my career, but I refuse to allow it to destroy my career. I just, you know what I mean? And go back to sales or go back home, as I say, um, to, to move with intentionality and continue to, to push through. Because I had it's to, cr- you know. It's, it's crazy. Some of the things that you're bringing up because there's, there's probably like five topics that we've covered like for hours. We did a, we did a session on learning to be intentional, right? Mm-hmm. We did, so like AJ said, we came in this season and we said we were going to talk about liquidity, longevity, and legacy because we wanted to see that in both our professional and personal lives. We wanted, we wanted to hit every area. We wanted to take people with us. You touched on two of them. And I get the comments a lot from from AJ and other friends. This is this is 14 years that I've been with my organization. We've morphed, we've grown, and what have you. And so even for, for myself and, and others that might be watching, when you say I have been here long enough, money, I know money is out there. You know, we know that you when you leave, it's the money dance. Right. But you also have to have balance and other things. So what drove you to be at a point where you said, you know what, other things are important to me and I want to be able to be in a position where I can focus holistically on not only the things that are, are great about my job, but what's going to allow me like the, the PATH program, what's going to allow me to maximize my potential and impact on the world? Absolutely. Um, I was actually looking around for my notebook because when I, you know, set out on this journey, I knew that at first it was just to get away, right? Really running away from, okay, y'all don't appreciate me. I'm going to go and find out, find somebody that, you know, appreciates me. And it didn't happen in it, um, immediately. I had to like sit in it, right? I had to yeah. sit in that sales role and sit in, in everything and learn to like um, get over the hurt. There was a whole process that I had to go through. I was really yeah. mad at God. Like, okay, now you know I wasn't happy in that role. You play, you play with me. Why am I still here? <laughs> going on you know but it's obviously was still some lessons that I had um to learn so I really sat down actually it was a friend of mine um in January I said look you need a new if you want really really want a, a new role write down the list of things that are important to you and really like right. pray on it and manifest on it and it really forced me to say okay in my next job what are the things that are important to me Outside of the bag, because as you mentioned, we don't, we switching a job. You better be getting another bag, a bigger bag. But it was really, I wanted to show up authentic. You know, it wasn't, I mentioned I've been IBM 13 years. It wasn't until what, maybe five years ago that I wore my hair natural at work. You see my face? You see my face? Y'all both know in sales, in, in if you're an account manager, they they wouldn't explicitly say it, right? But it's the it's we the was explicit. Wild. That's why I that's why I went to back of house because I don't have no restrictions because they were you know granted when I first got out of college you know 
getting everything to connect all the way through was a struggle. So I didn't really have to worry about it. I was very clean cut from jump anyway. But at a certain point, I was just like, you know, like I can't grow a beard at all. Like even if I wanted to, I can't. I don't like, you know, certain boundaries and restrictions I just don't want. So it's what it starts. It starts with those little things like those microaggressions. We got the we got the Crown Act now, so yeah. But but in in all seriousness, it starts so small, and you decide to ignore it because Mm -hmm. it's like maybe they didn't mean it that way. When I started addressing these things, my life got so much better at work. But DJ was wearing the Steve Harvey suits, and they didn't like them because they were urban. (laughs) First of all, right? Like, what is that? (laughs) First, first of all, you're absolutely right. And I was making a huge mistake. <laughs> hey, anyway. hey so you were dressed like you was, was, was like you got out. drafted with Carmelo now. <laughs> but basically, we did. That, that was, was when look, we came out. It was, but Bro, that I was. Got pictures, I got pictures of me and you in Dallas with uh, shout out to Miss C. Shout out to Miss C. Uh, but uh, I got pictures of us in Dallas, bro. Mm-hmm. I don't know what we were doing. I got on an orange tie, man. I know. I got on an orange tie. But that I would suit, do it today. That suit, I would do it today. Straight off the rack. <laughs> way more, way more comfortable. But um, let me let me come back to something you said because I think it's important. You said you wanted to show up authentic, oh, yeah. be able to be your full self. How do we help our sisters understand how to bring their full self to work? Ooh, Lord, just do it. You have to lean into it. Own who you are. You got to be confident before you even show up for work. You know what I mean? Because if I wasn't confident with who I am outside of work, I definitely wouldn't show up that way at work, right? So lean into who you are. Own it. You know, if you want to wear your hair natural, wear your hair natural. If you want to wear hoop earrings, you know, wear hoop earrings. Because there was a time where um, I wouldn't wear anything like this. I literally... The the diamond studs? Yeah, studs hair pulled up, straightened, you know, um, definitely not any red lips. I literally just got off a call. I got on a Black Women Matter shirt. Yeah, I got on a blazer, you know, hoop earrings. I would normally do a stud. You know, I just just do what, do what you want to do. I mean, within reason, right? <laughs> right. Um, I, I right. think we need to get to a point where we don't feel like we have to cold switch. Now, I'm not going to be like, yo, what up to, you know, um, the CEO or anything like that. But when you're in conversation, still be able to show up as, you know, Alicia, as AJ, as Destrian, or whoever you are. Um, and just, um, it, it's got to be embedded. In, and we all individually have to help it become embedded into the culture of whatever organization you're at. I remember... Um... There, there was a, there was one day, and we don't, we don't talk all the time. But when we do communicate, it's always love, it's always authentic. And I appreciate some of the things that you've said to me to kind of push me to be more bold and more vocal. So AJ knows, you know, I started going into the DEI side as well, multicultural markets, and really showing up for us in corporate in those spaces. But one of the key things you told me was no destrian. You go post that, you go do that because representation matters. Talk to us a little bit about representation and why that's so important for you. Oh my God, it's, it's vastly important. Um, as I was saying before, I didn't start wearing my hair natural until about five years ago. And that was literally because I seen a vice president come into the office, black woman, a Delta, shout out to my sorors, and she wore her hair up in a puff. And I was like, we can do that? Like I was literally fascinated. 
Because again, you know, buttoned up, stud earrings, you know, hair either straight or I wore my hair real short and it began short and relaxed, you know. And so to see that, I was like, yo, we can really do that. And she's a vice president. So I started wearing my hair natural. And when I explained that to her, because she's no longer at IBM either, um, I told her, I said, you're the reason why I started wearing my hair natural. You know, it was your representation that allowed me to see that it's okay. It's absolutely okay. And so I try to do it for the next one coming behind me too, because somebody else is looking at me. Somebody else is always looking at us to see kind of like what's what's right and, and what's wrong, right? Right. And I want to make sure that we don't gloss over the fact that you saw someone in a higher position than you do it. And then you felt more confident and more comfortable to do it and, or branch out on your own. The Empo- there we go. Yes. Okay, all right, look, okay. Empower, engage, and execute. It's how you can find Mr. Destrian Wells on Instagram. Empower, engage, okay. and execute. I love it. <laughs> but I, I, I definitely don't want to gloss over that because, you know, some people get into that, the blinders on mentality where it's like, if nobody, if my peers and we think our peers are only the people, you know, horizontal to us but it's like hey vertically if we doing it then we know it's possible and that's the truth and the power of representation especially uh for women and women of color in corporate situations and and anything similar to it where it's you don't see a lot off bat we don't see a lot of us blacks in any of these high positions they will show us the one or two and then we like well it's a fortune 500 and we only got a handful. Right. Are we really being represented? But then you see the one who looks like you that you you know you you gravitate towards, and you're like, oh, you see the possibility. And then you see the things like, okay, she wears her hair natural, and she's speaking to you know ten thousand people and commanding their attention with natural hair. I can also, definitely do this in a room with a hundred people. Yeah. So you, but you also have to get. And it's so it's, it's 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 a tricky balance because you then need confirmation from that person that the approach um, that you take is not going to be one that's held against you because just for me we were like you said it's a few employees that look like us so we were hiring someone that looked like us and we have this joke that all skin folk ain't, ain't skin folk well. so. I'm I'm taking him out to lunch. I'm having a conversation with him, and I'm I'm waiting for him to either make the um, to make the aside to know if it, do I have the all clear to really ask the questions that I need to ask to know if this is the company for me. Um, so one thing I would like to tell all of you to do is when you get your quote unquote multicultural person in your interview, you do need to ask the questions that you want to ask. Like she said, have. Have the conversation because yeah. the company doesn't know that that you're going to tell it all. They just know, hey, just send Destrian. So I asked him, I said, uh, hey, look, I would love to connect with you outside of just us both being potentially black employees here. He told me I do not identify as black. I my said, guy, my okay. guy, my guy. Um, okay. Look. At that at that. Look, yes. Look, Say DJ, it. DJ, DJ, real quick. I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I can't give no time to to I can't give no time to that. I can't even give no time to that because come on, man. It's it's, it's it like but, but, in the on, in bro. the space. I, I know, but the reason why I'm saying that is no, I know, I know. 
Alicia received some form of confirmation from this woman that she was approachable. And you have to be careful because don't assume, don't assume now, because we have double agents working. <laughs> do not assume, do not assume that because we look like we are like. So it was, we're not. And it's a lot of skin folk that ain't kin folk in corporate America. Jesus Christ. So it's very important to have the gift of discernment. Turn that thing yes. on. Because you can tell, I can see him coming a mile away, right? Absolutely. The one that kind of, you know, kind of fooled me was my, a former manager of mine who tried to fire me. And he was a black man. That hurt me. Like, we supposed to be in this together. You supposed to be giving me the blueprint to make this thing happen, make this thing work. I go and do it apparently better than you. And are you jealous? Are you trying to take me out the game? You were what a threat. part of the game is that? You were no. a threat. And then when I needed help, there were very little people that looked like me that threw me a lifeline. Now, the people that saved me did look like me. However, the folks that I knew had a boat full of lifelines, you know, not just one, and they, you know, they risking it on me. They had a boat full of lifelines that looked like me and were in higher ranking positions, executives and things of that nature. Didn't even answer the phone. Throw some fear. I'm damaged goods now, you know, we ain't doing nothing. And I think that's been that's been one of the things that I've been keen on for a long time now when I started to kind of make somewhat of an ascension. I wanted to keep people around me that were going to keep me accountable to who I'm supposed to be. Yes. Um, so he, he's one of them. I watch how you move with your people. You're one of them. Um, I give my wife a lot of credit for that, too, because she ain't gonna let me get too far gone. At all, but, right. yeah, yeah, not at all. Or you but, call me, you call me one day with that stuff, and I'm gonna hang up in your face. I'm gonna be real with you, <laughs> <laughs> sir. Now you right. might come see me. You might, but come see I me. also, I also want to point out that you know, coming from coming from wherever you're from, we're not often exposed to a lot of us, right? Because we come in all shades, colors, types, and all. Right. And some of the ones who you think are kin ain't. And the, some of the ones who you think ain't is more kin than your kin. So I definitely want to point that out, too, because I've met some, you know, what we would consider down south, some highfalutin ones. And it's like, oh, look, that man just pulled out a bottle of Destrian's favorite. <laughs> oh, it's in front of it's in front of me right now. Right. No, but I, you know what I'm saying? I'm saying I've met some people that I, you know, I've been in some rooms with some people. I'm like, you drinking Hennessy? Right. Disclosure, I don't, this, you know, I don't drink Hennessy unless I'm with him. But it's I didn't met some people. It's like, I, you know, you you see that, you see that, you see that type, you see that guy, and you like, you gotta hey, be honest. You gotta be honest. I've, that man don't drink I've gotten Hennessy. better. I've gotten better. I now will purchase whiskey so it's at my house. So when you get here, you don't you have do. To Whenever have. I say I'm coming into town, you go to the store and specifically yeah. get whiskey, and I run through that bottle real quick, and then I hit the hand with you. It is what that's it is. That's but cool. we know we we see those people in those spaces, and we automatically like, I don't think I can deal with them because they ain't where I'm at. But in in actualities, you know, and that's the that's the thing where I, you know DJ me and you've had this conversation before, um, and I think it plays a lot into corporate in general, where it's like lead with similarities with people we often yeah. truly lead we all because of the way that we've been programmed in a sense we've been led to lead with differences like 
people will walk up and be like, are you a Republican or a Democrat? Are you black or yeah, you white? Are you this like, or you that? Like, let's just get to the Right, let's get into what you with. Like, let's hey. get to the smoke right now. Like, right, right immediately, but it's like, instead of like just coming like, hey, we both in the plant section at Home Depot or Lowe's. You like plants? Yeah, I like plants. Let's start there. But the and we might not that, ever get to the point where we find a difference that will separate us. And, but Alicia said it earlier, bro. She said we need to understand that people are people, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. just meeting there. Amen. But I, Amen. I mean, and that's something coming from a CCO, man. I just want to point that out. That is, that is, that is the hallmark of a CCO. And I'm only, and what's crazy is you said that, but I've given something very similar of that title to a person we all know, uh, Mr. Ian Evans. I've always said that, you know, there are certain people who are gifted at connecting people, holding people accountable, all of those things that honestly, this should be a title at all corporations. If you are truly a chief of connecting people, there's no need for a specific DEI multicultural because you are connecting with people on a people level. It ain't, I'm connecting with you because you black. And that's what's really kind of happening. Let's be honest with a lot of these creative positions and they're placing us in these positions because, oh, and some of these people ain't can, ain't can skin, whatever. You know, because we, you know, black and brown, whole nother balling, conversation. Balling my fists up right now because whole that's the conversation. <laughs> that's but but I'm I'll say I'm gonna be quick and I'm gonna give it back to Alicia. But see, mm-hmm. that's the danger. The danger is the typecast. The, that that's what happens. So now we've typecasted uh black and brown folks, you put them over here in this box, they have certain jobs in our organization. Because right now, if you wanted somebody for tech they will not go to an HBCU. They're not even going. We've been typecasted. So now you cannot you cannot allow initiatives to box us in. They're supposed to empower us to break out of the positions that we're in. And so that's that's a that's a very big piece of it. When you put the wrong black or brown person in a position of authority or power who, who cannot who's putting self-interest above the cultural interest we fuck. Oh, you mean like? Oh, you mean like putting a black person in a position that's supposed to help black people because they black, and that's the only qualification? Right. <laughs> and you know what? My oh, yeah. new VP university at my new organization made a very valid point to what you just said, and she said you cannot lean on life experiences alone, right? In this space, in a DEI social impact space, just because you're black, you grew up black, you know, you identify as black. Um, does not make you qualified to be in the DEI space. Are you? What are you going to do with those life experiences? Yeah, okay, you grew up in the hood, you went to an HBCU, you know, you feel like you identify with the culture. What next? Not, yeah, what's next? What Everybody are you going to, to the do? hood. What are you Everybody going to, to, to pull other people in and through? Not just in, right? But you got to pull them through. through. I think that's where we get it fucked up at is with these DEI programs they getting people in. Why? Because they checking boxes. They, yes. you know, they're they're reaching these goals and things. We get yeah. them in. What? We got to pull them through. Pulling them all the way through to are the top. Are you promoting? So we are building a bunch uh, of gla- building a bunch of concrete glass ceilings. ceilings. Right. No, not yeah. glass because you can break glass. Bunch of concrete right. ceilings. Yes. Yes. Bunch yes. of office buildings where you look. <laughs> 
I don't know. Have y'all? What was the? Uh, Sorry to bother you. The movie. I know what you're talking about. And they kept telling him, like, hey, upstairs is where it's at. Upstairs, uh, upstairs. Nobody had ever been upstairs. You can't get nobody. up there. You can't get up there. When you finally get up there, you was like, this what this y'all got? Right, right. I was, listen. I was, was cool crazy. back here. Man. You weren't making a bunch of money, but you know, whole nother conversation. Right. Nah, right. It's, it's, it's all the same conversation because, like, that's just the corporate thing. But what I wanted to ask her, just to transition just briefly, we don't have to get too deeply personal, but do you feel as if you're supported not only by um, other Black women, because I know you're in a sorority, I'm just talking about your corporate circle, but by Black men, because you, I know about the experience with your manager because we spoke briefly, but I think it's so unfortunate that we don't allow each other. If you were managing me and you say, you know, I think Destrian can actually do this better than me. I'm going to try to raise you up because I know, hey, if he goes, he'll take me with him too. And we, and we don't we do not do that. So how do you feel the support has been and what could you offer, you know, both men and women of color to do to better support each other in a corporate capacity? Because I think we get fearful of each other's success as well. Yeah, we have to um, leave the crab in a barrel bullshit aside. And I really only find, and maybe this is my own bias, but I only really find that kind of thought process to be with Black people that attended PWIs. I'm not coming for them. It is what it is. But they, they're competing not only against each other, but against white folks as well. I don't find that I've had any issues with other Black people that attended issues because I feel like we're there and trying to help each other. You know, when somebody do the homework one day, I do the homework another Tell this business house, baby. We get it. We get it. Tell this I mean, business that, house. That's a, and it's, it's crazy because I just recently attended HBCU night uh, for the Knicks and the Nets. Nice. And that was kind of something that came up co- constantly in conversation. Like, I randomly walked up to everybody that I saw that had on an HBCU sweatshirt and was just like, what's up? I love you. And it was expressed oh. back. Now I'm and I'm I'm being so serious. Like I literally walked up to a group of Lincoln Lincoln University people. Shout out to them. They were taking a picture, and I jumped in with my Tuskegee. Was like, "What's up, HBCU love? I love all y'all." And there's oh. no, you know, what I'm saying like, it's a, it's something about us. There is something within the culture of us of HBCU. Right. We get it. We that get we it. get it we get it we know that you know what i'm saying there is the and that was addressed too because there was an hbcu panel earlier tonight where there is the the inequities within hbcus there's the the black ivy league so to speak and then there's the others who you know who don't get as much recognition and funding and all of that and we all we all literally is like hey we all ain't getting funded you know what i'm saying so the ones at the top the top you know top five ten that's always in everybody's name getting funded, but compare them to their the next door neighbor. They ain't nowhere near it. Yep. You know? yep. um, so I definitely, I, I definitely know that there is that 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 we that inherent know, knowing of a hey, you went to HBCU too. <laughs> I'm gonna give you the benefit of the doubt. You know about a struggle that's not really a struggle. It's it's an it's experience. A parable. It's a parable. Experience. It's an experience. It's and a parable. It's like the Bible. It's like you it, it, had yeah. to go through that to make you better than you could ever have come out 
any other situation. And I know that for a fact with us. You had to, you had to, you literally had to manage your education, right? So you had to be, a, you had to oversee, you had to manage your education. You don't. But we really, also had people that really, truly gave a hell about us. Facts. Like, but I tell people, I can't, like, every time I do the career fair, I, I mean, uh, the, the college fair, I tell people, I'm like, I still got my professor's numbers in my phone. She was at my wedding. Sean, Dr. C, is literally my big sister. She calls my mother and my father, mama and papa. Shout out to my sister because of we she's known me since I was a child. Through divine and all of that, she became my professor in college. But you know, wow. Freeman, both of oh. them. You know, we could go down the list of the people right. that we've interacted right. with that truly cared about us. They knew that it was a Friday on the yard. And you know, hey, we I know you were, I know you were, I know you wasn't in class. I got it. I know you weren't in class, but hey, <laughs> the teachers and the professors that know, like, hey. I know you a good person. I know I know what you come from. It's midterms. Here goes some extra credit. Like, you don't get lost in the pal. You don't get lost in the number at the HBCU. And it's truly a privilege. Yes. That's one of the things as Black people that... I tell people all the time, you mentioned it earlier, like, we do have a Black, a black privilege. Like, I know when I'm going to certain places, concerts and events and stuff, Black people at the gate, you know, they ain't really checking for me because I'm black. <laughs> Let's be real. So I'm walking, you know, what's good, brother? You having a good day? Hey, I appreciate what you're doing, man. Go ahead, man. Hey, I see you doing your thing. I appreciate you. I'm going to leave you a little tip in the jar. They pour a little extra in my cup. Things like that. That's black privilege. <laughs> Sorry to say, some of y'all ain't going to get that's it. That's black culture, bro. That's culture, that's but black. it, it comes along culture. with the privilege. Like it, we invite everybody, look, we invite everybody yeah. to the cookout, but they still ain't gonna get the privilege. Let me explain. Let me explain something to you. Then I'm gonna get. I want to get Alicia's opinion. So that's that's a shared thing that we have amongst each other, and sometimes I'm careful to call it privilege because it's not impacting broader society. We are we are sharing the opportunity to uplift each other. I call it encouragement. I appreciate the encouragement. I'm in this position. I can do something. The privilege will come in when I am the COO of my organization and I implement a strategy that says the tie goes to the black person. Because I have been in those planning meetings where we need to move those numbers. And I've been told the tie goes to XYZ type of candidate. So I'm telling you right now, those conversations happen. My job, my goal now is to put myself in a position where the tie can go to other people that look like us, qualified people that look yeah. like us. Because the thing is, all things being equal, we'll never get to a place of balance because you're trying to overcome centuries of shit that was set up for you not to participate in. So you have to be, in, you used the word earlier, intentional. You have to be intentional about it. I'll give my company credit. Um, three years ago, we said that we have less than 3% women in leadership. They said the tie goes to the woman. If the woman is equally as qualified as the man, we're not even having a discussion about this. Right. Guess who's still disenfranchised in that discussion? Alicia. Because she hasn't even been able to be promoted to the level to be considered for that job. Mm. She was a number on the diversity scale. She came in She's still a sales associate after six years. She can't be considered for, for those director level roles. 
although she's helping the person in that role perform their duties to the highest of abilities. So I'm saying that to say sometimes it's not privilege, it's encouragement. But I do understand where you where you're coming from with that. From an HBCU perspective, I think we enjoy certain privileges because of where we went. I've been to Lincoln. I've been to a couple of other universities that I go and recruit at because they're underserved and underrepresented specifically in corporate America. So I think holistically, we have to advocate for the most qualified person of color getting the opportunity to break the tie. And when we get there, now you're talking about inclusion because everything outside of there, we're going to say, hey, well, what, what major did you have? Because I've been in, we want to hire psychology majors. They're diverse. You're skipping over everything before you address this black and brown problem. And more specifically, the issue of women, especially in financial services or tech. So yeah, there's 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 not many black men, but black women are non-existent. Latino women are damn near non-existent. And so that's something that we have to overcome. But Alicia, you've been in those same rooms. Tell me and tell us about those conversations that you've heard about hiring. hiring these are hiring practices, right? This is a systemic type of thing. Yeah. This is not a homeboy got a problem, homegirl got a problem. This is systemic. All companies follow these same practices because they share them. I got yeah. a question. I got a question I want to ask you in this, in this very straightforward form. Uh, because DJ, you really hit on the power of your privilege. Like when we get into these positions, unbeknownst to us, we still have to remember things like you said, where it's like, oh, well, because I'm in this position, I can go gather up all of the qualified people. But a lot of the people that's qualified and truly qualified, and we know they truly qualified. The ones who can actually talk to people, the ones who can actually manage people, the ones who have communication skills, not just the ones whose numbers were great. Because we all, look, we've been in corporate. We know yeah. numbers mean promotions. And even though you really nice and everybody likes you and gets along with you, they will never make you a manager when you should be because you have the qualities that a manager needs. But that's the power of privilege. But the question I want to ask you to frame all of this into one, one, one piece is how do you in the corporate structure make yourself the tiebreaker? Mm. The tiebreaker, what's the tie between me and another? Like, how, like how DJ said, where it's, you know, you in this room now and the conversations have always been, well, hey, if, the, if it come down to a man and a woman, we're giving it to a man. But, you know, you've been in a position where you've asserted yourself, you've communicated, you've been upfront and, and integral and honest about it. Like, hey, no, 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 this is what we need. So once you get past the point of what I need personally, like, hey, Alicia needs a different position. I want to be in events and all of that. Now you parlay it into, okay, Alicia's okay right now. I need everybody else that looks like me that has something in common with me, mostly being a woman. I need them now to be in the conversations that we have. How do you, you know, what do you do and how do you make yourself that tiebreaker then? Because some people will get into that position, communicate what they want, and then leave it at that because they cool. Mm. How do you not get comfortable? I think it's the real question. How do you not get comfortable where you at? Because you good, right? Right, right. You can't, I mean, you can't get comfortable. I mean, I always keep my eye on the prize, you know, and you, I mean, every, every individual should have what that end prize is, right? 
Um, you ain't necessarily got to share it. But for me, I know that I want to be, if I'm, if I'm going to stay in corporate America, that's the say that. If I'm going to stay in corporate America, I want to be the vice president of diversity and inclusion. Um, and I knew that there were certain steps that I needed to take, you know, to get there. Are we taking shots? I missed it. <laughs> oh, no, I'm just sipping throughout. That's, that's all that's all you're gonna see from him. Like right, I'm like, oh, I didn't I didn't get that memo. Um we're, we're reasonable adults. <laughs> there you go. I do still have to work tomorrow after I turn in my resignation. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but <laughs> again, it just always goes back to the intentionality and keep my eye on a prize and remembering my why. Um, someone recently asked me, like, well, you know, how how did you, because it took me two years to get, that's one thing I left out. It, le- it took me two years to get the P-TECH program to Georgia. And I, when I was interviewing, they asked me, well, you know, why did you keep, you know what I mean? Why did you keep going? That was a lot of work, you know, things that you had to navigate, challenges, mm-hmm. obstacles, so on and so forth always remembered my why and the why was those kids those the why was you know that first generation college graduate you know a graduate with not only a high school diploma but an associate's degree in cybersecurity and getting that eighty thousand dollar plus job and being able to pour back into their community and, and you know pay for things that you know they never would have thought would have been possible so it's always the why like okay all right i'm in this room i know that if it ain't me, it's going to be somebody else. And I don't want it to be somebody else. So what is about me and my experiences that makes me different? And I always bring it back to the relatability. We talk about people being people and humans being humans. A lot of times, a lot of my success has come down to being relatable, relatable, showing up as human, um, being easy going, being easy to talk to. And that probably also comes from my sales background. I walk into a room and I'm finally instantly, what am I going to relate to you on? Right. And people, I've had many sales conversations that didn't end up in a sale, but it ended up in a friend. And that's probably not good initially, but you've got to build that. And so people, they always say people buy from people that they like. People hire people that they like. So I made sure that when I was, you know, interviewing and things of that nature in these rooms that I allowed my personality to shine through. Yes, you can read my resume. It's a mile long with three pages. However, I am going to be able to go in a room with Sally, Jackie, Daquan, and Karen and bring it home and be able to relate to all of them because of my life experiences and things that I've been exposed to. And then while I'm doing it, I'm also making sure Keisha coming right behind me. And that's how you break the tie. Yes. That's how you break the tie. Because again, going going back to um going back to what you asked, AJ, I think the whole thing is again, we get the 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 best of us. When I say the best of us, I'm not necessarily talking about some elitism type of thing, but you need to bring the best of yourself forward so that other people I'm gonna help you don't assume. I, don't ahead, inter- I hate to interrupt you, but I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I like to give us context. Handle your business. When we speak like that, we talk. Everybody don't want to be, you know, the VP. Everybody don't want to be an entrepreneur. There are some people who are just fine with doing a regular nine to five blue collar, quote unquote, job 
and they take pride in that and they will like that and they will do that for however many years they feel like it and long as their family and their lifestyle is sustained they're okay with that and we will we will never and should never shame those people but when we i just want to make sure we frame in the conversation that you know what i'm saying because you already know some people are like, oh, DJ said, oh, you know, this. like, no. Man, I, almost, I almost really said something right there. Anybody that know me, no. No, like no, no. That. But DJ, look, we look, we look, we no, international but, but, now. So, we got one listener in Netherlands and things listen, like bro, that. Listen, bro. So let me respond to that. Conversation. I, I, I'll, I'll, I will use, the, I'll use the term. Let me, uh, let me clarify myself. Cause I ain't let's, let's, let's use political let correct me, term. Blue collar, white collar, and no, rich as fuck. <laughs> no, cause it, it don't matter. I got True. people at my job. I got my, no. I got people. I got people downtown Philly right now. When I walk in, they they do thank you calls for a hundred thousand dollars, and they're like, "Look, I don't need to do nothing else. This is good. I'm cool." That person hey, has hold decided. On, wait, wait, wait they do thank you calls for a hundred thousand. Hold on, yeah, yeah. Look. Both of us like. Suppo- excuse me. Point is, here's the point. You're supposed to be selling something. No. Oh. But again, we talked about how people get to numbers. I need to make X amount of calls. How many people bought from me yesterday? Hey, hey, thanks so much for that. Appreciate it. Thank, thank you. If there's anything I can do, that's a thank you. I call it. Oh, it's not a sales call. Okay, I'm like thank you call, right? So, all I'm saying is that those things exist, but they do that because they're like, look, I didn't even think y'all was gonna pay me this, so I'm gonna chill out right here. I'm good. I don't judge people that do what they want to do. What I'm saying is my job is to create the opportunity and have what Alicia said, the conversation. If I see that you can do something else, maybe ain't nobody talk to you about it. Wasn't nobody talking to me until I asked to have the conversation. Like, Hey, what's up? Like, I didn't even know this job exists. So I can, AJ, we didn't talk about this. It, come, it, come, it comes back to that to that old school saying where it's like closed mouths do not get fed. Listen, at all. It's like, <laughs> hey, it's it's. I put it and I I take it a step further to put it to the analogy where it's like we brought everybody to the buffet. Some people not gonna want to get up and fix their own plate, and that got to be on them. That's yeah, and that got to be on them. But if you got enough connections and you just a likable person, somebody will fix your plate for you. But how long will it last? And you got to be realistic of that expectation. Well, those people, you might get your plate fixed once, but then the person that's right. fixed again. I want second. And I want third. Food. Did you right. eat this food? What Did you say thank you? What? Was, mm. was, I'm telling listen, y'all talked about, um, I think Alicia was talking about brand and image, her her brand. Yes. People, people, get, it, people get it twisted. They're like, oh, um, the way I look at work is my brand. No, the way people experience you is your brand. You got to stop thinking that when people see you, it's over right there. Man, you could come in smooth, underperformer, underperformer, late for work, non-responsive, don't do this, don't do combative, hard to deal with. That's men and women. Mm-hmm. I, can't do, I can't do nothing for you with that. I can't break a tie. With that, you don't, you don't, you can't do it. Chill so out, going chill out, you, chill AJ, out. Stop giving them nope. all of that. Stop, chill, stop giving this. them all of that. You did this. Stop going back to that. what you said about the uh, about the um, the construction worker, the whomever. Every job has a hierarchy. If you don't want to sit at the top of the tree on your job, that's your choice. My yeah. job is to say, I want to offer you the encouragement and support and let you know that people that look like you 
sit on the top of something every day. And if you want it, you can have it. And if you don't and you good, what else are you doing outside of your nine to five with your time to make sure that if something happens to you, you and the people you like, love and care about are good? Which brings me to my next point. Alicia, you do so much corporate. Corporately, you do so much in the community. What are you doing for yourself and your personal brands where we can support and help you? I appreciate that. Um, so I'm actually working on a pet apparel line called HBCU Pets. Um, I birthed this business actually back in 2012. Yes, it's been 10 years. I was at the University of North Carolina with my cousin, Angelica. Shout out to her um, for like uh, Christmas to Thanksgiving or something like that. I was picking her up. was headed to Virginia. And I love bookstores. And at the time, I had my Yorkie McKenzie with me, my first Yorkie. And we went to the bookstore. And I was astounded by, first of all, how big the bookstore was, but really how big the area was for pet stuff. And I'm like, Black people love their pets too, right? And being on a campus of Tuskegee University, and we have a vet college, and to not have that much like uh, pet stuff, it kind of pissed me off. And I remember, I haven't been to every HBCU there is, but I've been to a few of them, and I remember that that representation for pets wasn't there. And I really, that's when um, my brand was um, birthed in 2012 and I admit I was scared I'm like I don't know what I'm gonna do with this I just created this thing I didn't tell nobody I told a couple people you know but it wasn't until 2020 shout out to my best friend Dominique also a Tuskegee grad double Tuskegee grad and she said yo you ready to do this business or what you know sometimes it takes somebody you know you close yeah. to the line of fire under your Gotta ass kick, like, what are you kick you, kick you, what ass you doing, right because you're potentially sitting on a multi-million dollar brand you know, right. the pet industry is a multi-billion dollar brand, and I just want a piece of it. Um, so I got some things in motion. I got a website. I've got some prototypes. I My trademark hopefully will be back by my birthday in May, um, and I want to launch this summer. And I keep pushing the launch date back, keep pushing it back, you know, but I really have been trying to lean into the corporate side because my corporate side is going to fund my dream, right? Let's just Absolutely. be really honest. I ain't, I'm not prepared to walk away from my nine to five yet. <laughs> um, but I, HBCU Pets is super special to me. You know, I'm a dog mom of all dog moms, Destry. Um, yes, yes, yes. I love my fur baby and I, and I love my HBCU. So again, bringing that passion um, and, you know, bringing it forward so that people that and it's not just for hbcu grads too let me say that it's for students grads fans and supporters like if you love hbcus you know we'll have something for you and like i said look out for it to uh roll out hopefully by the summer of this year i'm, I'm pushing hard to really make it happen so i'm super excited well, I, let me, I let love me, it let me, you let know, me hop man. in real quick i'm uh we'll hold off on this for a while because you know people people be people and uh, I know for a fact that that is a very, very niche market. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I know that for a fact. So, yeah. <laughs> if you are looking for partners, we have a holding company of investment firms that is. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah. We, we move. We, Stop. we, we move. We'll take that offline. Stuff. Stop. We'll take that offline. Oh, yeah. 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 One of the last things I want to ask you. Honestly, is because it's been a consistent theme throughout this. 
is you you've always you've consistently stayed focused you knew what you wanted you knew what your goals were and things that um but we've also lamented to the fact that you got to consistently change the prize right if your eyes are always on the prize dj told a story before about this guy who was his only goal was to get to the olympics and he got there but he lost Mm. And he kind of noticed, and in retrospect, he was like, well, you know, my goal should have been to win. He and then my goal should have been, he didn't set a very specific he set the goal. proper goal. Right, he like, I just want to get to the Olympics. I didn't say I want to get to the Olympics and get silver, gold, bronze, medal, whatever, whatever, the, whatever it was. But it was like, um, but then again, even in corporate, and we know with corporate ever shifting, ever changing, Positions getting renamed. The corporation that I was with for years changed our titles three times, and I was there for six years. Um, and this was all sale, you know, very sales oriented. But we went from, you know, sales reps to experience and all of these other titles, um, <laughs> right? Customer and corporate experience, all of these different titles because you know it, it is what it is. But um, Real quick, just a little bit about being able to have the insight, if necessary, because we've all, you know, we've 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 already talked about the fact that some people, you know, we cool where we at, some people cool where they at, but being able to effectively uh, and consistently change the prize, change the finish line, change the goal, because oftentimes we spend so much energy to hit that line, break the tape, uh, yep. lean forward, and now we out. Like, yep. whew, glad I got here. All right, let me chill out for 10. Right. Let me go ahead, sit for 10 and click. Let's talk about that for a little bit. Mm. So I, I do agree that the prize, you know, does always change. And that was good, Destrian, the, the example that um, AJ alluded to when you said the man wanted to get to the Olympics, but he didn't set a specific goal that he wanted to win, right? So he probably train just to get to the Olympics, but then train to get gold or bronze or silver. I mean, that that is so powerful, right? Because I think a lot of times we visualize the bigger goal, forget about the steps to get there. Um, and then once we get there, one thing that I was um, asked recently in my 30, 60, 90 day plan, like, what do you want to do in the first 30 days? Celebrate the goal that I accomplished because we set these goals, you know, we get them, then we like, all right, that, you know, that was great. On to the next one. But I think we should, we uh, need to allow ourselves to relish in the moment for right. a minute. You know what I mean? And like, take it all in. Like, dang, I made it. And then get back on it. Like, okay, well, what's next? Like, for example, you know, um, I set a goal. I had, you know, you don't know really what $100,000 is until you get it and you realize, okay, this ain't really a lot of money. No, no, not to nobody that ain't, you know, ain't making $100,000. But my point is, you know, you think that the goal is lofty until you get it, but then you need to make an even loftier one, right? I feel like people, especially Black people, we always need to be challenging ourselves, um, not to the point where it, you know, it messes with your mental health or anything like that, right? Come on. Uh, within reason, because it gives you something to strive toward, right? So once I meet this goal, okay, so what's the next thing? What's the next thing? You know, I bought my first house almost four years ago. I'm already planning. What's the next one look like? You know, <laughs> what, yeah. we, what am I going to do to align myself? Uh, I mentioned before 
passively that if I stay in corporate America, these are going to be my goals. I recently, now I, I mentioned that I'm, I'm transitioning from IBM to a, a different corporation. I only plan to work corporately for another five years. Then I want my brand, HBCU Pets, and some other things that I'm working on to replace my nine to five salary so that I can work for myself. You know, so in the next five years, the prize got to keep changing. Alicia, Mm. what's the prize for the next two years? I'm going to break it down. What's the prize for the next two years to lean into this role and then, you know, dominate it. Yeah, dominate that thing. Dominate the next, whether that be inside that corporation or another one. But the the thing that that's so encouraging with what you're saying about me, I had a um, I used to have I used to have similar like conversations with my management, and I didn't get along with all of my managers because I asked them to not manage me. I asked them to lead me. Mm. I don't need need you to manage. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. What you say to them folks? <laughs> I need you to manage me. I need you to lead me. I'm gonna show up at work on time. I mean, I'm an adult. What they say, take me to the water. Man, bro, listen. I'm show up at work I'm on time. I'm an adult, right? The second piece of that is do not you some people will not help you. They'll just say, Well, I'm not hurting you, but if you're not helping me, you are. Yeah. And so I was really having these conversations at work, bro. And I ended up with a really good manager, like the one I was, um, I shared the story with you about. That was life changing for me. And it didn't have to happen like that, but it did. And a lot of things that Alicia said, I wholeheartedly agree with because I told him, I said, I view my job as a long-term internship until I can run my own company. Why do you want me here for 30 years? Jesus Christ, Destrian. How do you have the confidence to tell those people that kind of revelation? Because I I started understanding what was happening around me, and I'm like, I can do this, I can do that. All I need to do is learn it and master it, and then go do it. So in my world, you have to file what's called outside business activities. The list of my outside business activities got me called into a meeting. What are you doing? Planning. <laughs> I'm planning, but. I, I, I had a plan. I told him, I said, I can't wake up at 45 and say I'm starting a consulting business. I need to say I've been doing this for 20 years. So if you guys are listening, start it now. Get yeah. your on-the-job training at work, like Alicia is saying. The only thing she's saying to you, I'm going to export my gifts into my own business. And if they would like me to remain a consultant, they can pay me a fee to consult them. And I think we all know that consultants get the love that the employees don't. Now, I'm going to shut my mouth right there, and I'm going to let this go. That shit got that bad. Consulting is one of the most general terms and the most highest paid terms in the realm of business. If you know business, consultants have no range. (laughs) Google it right now and say, what's the salary range for a consultant? It says what the person... It's what you can negotiate. Right. Right. Yep. The, the sky is truly the limit. Biggie said it, and he wasn't even a consultant. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to hire him as a rap consultant, you was going to pay, so, was gonna pay so, high. So many of us have these burning passions and desires inside of us. And let me, before, before we wrap, let me just say this. Part of the intention 
that we had from a Brethren podcast standpoint this month, we wanted to honor and highlight Black women who are out here getting it. They're moving, they're shaking, they're being bold, they're challenging norms, breaking through status quo. And I would like to uh, to ask the brothers to assist in that. So if you're managing a, a sister that you know has high potential, and then ladies, if, if you're managing a sister who has high potential, where she goes, you can go. We do yeah. not have to, we do not have to pull each other back. And it's, it's just, it's, it's super unnecessary, but we wanted to definitely recognize uh, Women's History Month and we've honored um, a few of our Tuskegee ladies and we hope to be able to do the same at least once more before the month is out. But this just goes to show you the plethora of talent that rests in the laurels of our own communities that we're not tapping into. So if you don't know Alicia Brand, get to know her. Brand coming soon. Plenty of ways that you can tap into her. I'm sure the events function is going to be on and popping as well. She's ready to export all of these things. So when corporate says, to be had. "Hey, listen, very seriously," but AJ, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it back to you. We can, uh, we can close and wrap. But I actually feel like there's a, uh, there's a part two to be had on this. If, if, if she would have us, if she would have us. Look, there's a there, like it. <laughs> uh, look, um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be like like my like my brother Desha said. I'm gonna be brief, uh, because I need to wrap this soon, so okay. that there's a there's a bit of offline conversation that has to be had. In all honesty, uh, with our with our audience, um, we appreciate y'all for tuning in so far and thus far. Because if you've made it to this point in the conversation, you have had to be truly. Uh, if not inspired, blessed uh, by the conversation. Um, that's not to toot my own horn. It's not to toot our horn. It's not to toot Alicia's horn. It's just what she says. I said, genuinely, I genuinely believe that you know, based on all of our integrity, that good conversation was had and something could be brought from this conversation for anybody that's listened. Wherever you are, whether it was confirmation that you okay with your goals or whether it was confirmation that your goals ain't lofty enough, something was gained from this conversation. And that's the only thing that we want for any and everybody. You ain't got to be black or brown to listen to us and get inspired by it. But just know it's FTC and all times over here for the culture, because that's what we come from and represent first. Um, But to close us out and finish us off, I have to ask, the final question of why? Why you just, you know, <laughs> why you just do what you do? Why you still why you still choose to walk into these spaces and places that we ain't really supposed to be, or they just invited us in for a second or because it was a fad? Why you choose to go in there and be yourself? We definitely appreciate you for doing it, but why? And I know, we know, as a black man in corporate America, as a black man in corporate America, as black men in corporate America, as black folk in corporate America, it ain't easy to get up five, if not more days a week and go in there and be as much as I, as much of ourselves as we can without being too much of ourselves, right? 
Because we know our counterparts, you at, you say good morning, they'll tell you their life story. <laughs> Ma'am, I just said good morning and where's the sugar? You done told me that joke. <laughs> another story for another time. But why you still get up? Mm. Go to your job at the Fortune 50 company and continuously, obviously the five years ago, however many years ago, you got the courage and the confidence to be yourself. And that person's gone now. How did you keep that confidence when they left and say, you know what? Okay, I might be the only one who's still doing it now. Why you do it? So I feel like I've earned the right. I've earned the right to, you know, I um, I stand confidently on my credentials, on my accolades, mm. on the backs of those. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't. I, what you just said. <laughs> what did you do? You earned the right. I earned the right. How, how dare us feel like we earned something in this country? Say it one I more time. I, I hate to make you start over, but please. One more time for the folks in the back, the folks they didn't get in, the folks who will get in later. Why are you doing yep. Listen, listen, I have earned the right um, to be in these spaces. My credentials, my accolades, they all speak for themselves. You know, I stand on the backs of those that came before me. You know, shout out to Wangui, who I mentioned, the reason why I wear my hair natural today. You know, and I just feel like it's my duty and my responsibility to do the same for those coming behind me. And as I mentioned, you know, I want to pull pull them in and pull them through because uh, that's the only way we're going to uh, provide the representation that we need in the spaces. Um, and they're not just pulling chairs out and saying, sit here. We need to bring the whole motherfucking table and put ta- uh, chairs there for our people and make sure that we in these spaces. Smoke. Double barrel smoke. Absolutely. My line sister, uh, April, she always says, move oh, with the confidence of a mediocre white man. And I always wow. keep that in the back of my head because you can wow. white men going to spaces and they own that shit. They don't even know how to do the job. Look at Donald Trump. He was the whole president for four years. Ain't been a president or nothing other than his companies that are all scams, I'm sure, right? Um and he was the president of the United States. Mediocre. He did not have the credentials. He didn't qualify. He, ne- he ain't never been law school. He was a businessman. A hell of a businessman. Because he, he talked that thing up into the White House. So I move every day with the confidence of a mediocre white man. If he can do it, so can I. And so can we. AJ, that's it. As, as I like to say, yikes on a bike. That thing rolling down the hill and ain't got no brakes. Jesus. Listen. Um, yeah. It's going to be a lot of offline conversation that's had as soon as I click this stop button. But until then, um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been uh, uh, another, I said it in the beginning, I'd be meaning that, rousing rendition of the mm-hmm. podcast of what we led to call the con- cocktail convo. Shout out to our uh, illustrious co-host, Dr. Ajama Loving, PhD CFP, and <laughs> I don't know when this will happen again. You know, it may not never happen again, but I've had my other illustrious co-host, Mr. Deshaun Wells, join me this evening. May not never happen again. This will be in video format exclusively on Spotify, so y'all make sure y'all go see my reactions, because there's a couple of times where I just, you know, <laughs> I am just dumbfounded by the confidence, the integrity, and the know-how 
of our guest, Miss Alicia Brandon, um, CCO, Chief Connections Officer, for all who will listen, let her in the room, and will shut up and let her speak. Uh, but professionally, she works for a corporation. Because by the time this episode comes out, it may or may not be who we talked about. It may be who, she, who we talk about in the future. That's why you consistently change the prize and you have to understand your power and privilege. And it's okay if you at where you at and you like where you at. Don't let nobody dictate where you at. Don't let nobody steal your joy. Comparison is the thief of that. Remember that. Um, that's going to do it for us here at the Bertram Podcast and Cocktail Convos. Miss Alicia Brandon, if you want to, tell the people how they can find you if they need you uh, in your expert expertise. Absolutely. So I'm on Facebook as Alicia Brandon. You can find me, actually follow my business page at HBCU Pets. And thank you guys so much for having me this evening. No problem. And I will put that in the descriptions. I'll put the HBCU Pets in the descriptions because uh, Alicia is probably at the friends limit. Like most of us, they went to the illustrious Susk University. Everybody loves us. <laughs> But with that being said, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all. There's nothing you can do about it. Make sure you're following us on all social media. You can find us and listen to us on all your DSPs. That's digital service providers at Bredren Pod. That's B-R-E-A-D-R-E-N-P-O-D. Bread like bread because we're always talking about our bread because we're getting bread. We love y'all and there's nothing you can do about it. Peace.